everybody, and welcome to the Fortress of Comic News, episode 197. I'm one of your hosts, Chris, alongside Wildcat Mike. Wildcat. Ah, now that's a reference to an interview coming up. And yeah. uh, we have a special, special, I don't know if we can announce it yet, but we do have a special interview coming up for episode 200, because you did hear the 197 approaching. We're approaching Just- 200. Yeah. There's some cool stuff for episode 200 happening. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. But today, let's focus on 197. We have the returning guest, Mr. David Whalen, on the show, um, writer of The Offspring, and you will find out a bunch of one-shots that he's been working on. This dude loves writing and drawing comics, and you can you could hear it in all the stuff that he's doing, so uh, stick around for that. Always a great time talking with him. So, yeah. Definitely. Other than that... that I was yeah. on his website and like, dude, so many books. Like, I know. I forget because we, you know, we've had him on once or twice before, and like, yep. so much stuff. It's awesome. I love seeing it. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's all great stuff too. So please support indie comics and what he's doing. Plus, he's a teacher too. I mean, yeah, come on, support our teachers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, they uh, definitely they more than any of us need the extra income. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, we got a lot of news to get through. I don't know if you want to just jump into it. People don't really care to hear about our lives, but let's let's jump. Let's get our jump to the news mat out. Okay. Yeah, I have one of those. Let me go find it. But anyways, um, we we're gonna talk about Wandavision. I watched both episodes, both less than thirty minute episodes. What's up with that? uh we'll talk about that in a second but uh so disney plus um is announcing more casting for the upcoming moon knight series so chris get ready uh oscar isaac is confirmed to play moon knight so i mean we already know it's he's gonna he's gonna kill it uh joining the show is may calamway calamawi sorry and ethan hawk um Neither role was announced. Ethan Hawke, man, he he's another one that anything he's in, he just is really awesome. Uh, I think yeah, interesting that he's he's part of a superhero thing. I almost wonder if he's like, well, so there's there's multiple things that could happen here because how they're going to handle split personalities because in the comics sometimes this like split personality is a completely different person altogether where like he doesn't actually look the same. I don't know if they're going to do that cuz you you got Oscar Isaac like you're going to show that face off as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, come but on. uh but Ethan Hawke is Kanshu, like that would be a cool idea like mm-hmm. I mean he would have to be you know voice acting it because you'd probably CG Kanshu, but yeah. I like that and I mean I'm sure maybe he's the villain, I don't know, but awesome yeah casting especially for like a tv series like right but oscar isaac killing it man like so he was the uh the villain from power rangers in the x-men movie but then he did good things and went to star wars (laughs) (laughs) um but recently like yeah so dune's coming out he's in that yeah he just got announced he's playing solid snake and metal gear solid yeah now he's doing like this uh I think it also awesome. helps. It also helps that he has one of those like faces. You know, he. I mean, he's very like dark features, but also he has like one of those faces that you could put in like everything. <laughs> you I know. Whenever I see him, I think of Entourage. He's got the big head. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for it. And, and speaking of, like, Disney Plus doing Marvel shows, we got our first ex- exposure to that with WandaVision on Friday. Um, nothing really spoiling about these two episodes. I, I don't think there's any major, like, oh, my God, they spoiled that. Um, I, I would say these two episodes could have been consolidated into, like, a one 45-minute episode. Um, I don't know how you felt about it, but... I think that idea would go against what the show is because I'm I'm looking at it and I'm it seems like to me they're doing the history of sitcoms. Okay. Because they yeah. really start off with like an I Love Lucy, Dick Van Dyke style, mm-hmm. and then they kind of go and and it turns into almost a uh, uh, what's the genie one? Um, oh, I dream of genie. I dream of genie. Mm-hmm. It gets to that kind of like she's doing some magic stuff and it's a little. Yeah, and then I think what they're gonna do is because at the end of the second episode, I, you know what? If you haven't watched it by now, spoilers. I'm sorry. Fast forward like two minutes, three minutes. Right. But at the end of the first episode, it turns to color, mm-hmm. and so I feel like the color comes, and now we're gonna do like an '80s sitcom. Yep. And yep. I think it's just gonna evolve as the show goes until we get to like the point because. Right. At the end of both episodes, we saw like there's something else going on. We do we do get the reveal that sword they're being observed by sword. Yeah. Um. And you can I don't, you could probably elaborate on what sword is. I I had to research it myself, but they're like, uh, they're like shields, but for space. And right, I would assume. Yeah. Basically. Okay. Yeah. They're what protects the Earth from intergalactic threats and they constantly fail because every marvel event book is a intergalactic threat Um, (laughs) so they suck but i get the idea that because last time we saw vision he was dead yeah and that that, that's important and there was a moment where it's like you know wanda what are they doing to you wanda what are they doing to you and i got from that that our what we said last week of like, it's giving a real black hammer vibe. Mm-hmm. I get heavier and heavier of a black hammer vibe, like something, yeah. whether it's sword or maybe swords, like viewing, but trying to help out. I don't know, but somebody is doing something to Wanda is what I'm feeling. And that this is her like going through kind of a, I don't know, like a acid trip in her brain, trying to get over the idea that vision's no longer alive. Yeah, and I think um, the there's some very uncomfortable scenes though. Like the dinner party scene was very uncomfortable. Like, um, and that I, I like it though. I mean, like the it goes from like it goes from like you like you said like a, a Dick Van Dyke show to like then it becomes like uh, a Hitchcock movie when they're like you know the guy falls to the floor and all this stuff happening. So. Um, I mean, we don't know a whole lot from the first two episodes, but, and I, honestly, I don't, it doesn't feel any different than a Marvel movie, you know, I mean, with the, seeing these characters on a smaller screen and stuff like that, so. Um, yeah, I really liked it, and I think that the, the beekeeper, so the beekeepers become a meme online, and we saw it in the trailers and this and yeah. that, but as I'm watching it, and I saw the beekeeper come up, and the actual, like, the swarm around him, mm-hmm. Whether that's going to be this character or just kind of a reference to this character, but I got a swarm vibe, the villain swarm, okay, which is Nazi bees. Um, awesome. Man 
is basically a living hive and he's a Nazi. Uh, <laughs> as sense. most as most, you know, Marvel villains were back in the day. Right. But so I got like a vibe that that was what's going on there. So I'm like I'm trying to figure out who's going to be behind this. Is that going to be Swarm? Is that where they're going? And just yeah, the after the after the show when they do that little thing where they show sword in both episodes, like there's a lot of great mystery here, and I love it. Mm-hmm. And I love the like what they're doing. All this, a lot of it goes over my head because I'm not like a film buff or a uh, TV buff or anything like that. I can see some of the the things they're doing where like each episode seems to be based on a certain like time period in television and film that uh, yeah. is going on. So I'm I'm really enjoying it. I do think it's going to be a very acquired taste though. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I I know some people aren't too happy with like how they what they're expecting, but um I I mean, give me more stuff for Disney Plus. <laughs> you know. Well, I was talking to someone about it last night too where I feel like we we mentioned on this show that we thought it was weird that this was the show they're going to come out the gate with. Yeah, right. And now I kind of get the feeling that maybe this is they did this because they were like, we think we have something, it's different, and some people are going to like it. But then as soon as it's over, it's Falcon and Winter Soldier, just like palate cleanse, typical right. superhero things. Right. So now I'm wondering if that I kind of wasn't cool with the or was like confused by the idea of them doing it this way. Now mm-hmm. I understand. Like, okay. This is what you're doing. You're getting a lot of people being like, what the fuck is this? And then we come out with Falcon and Winter Soldier and be like, okay, guys, like, here's your regular thing. Just Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll see. I mean, I didn't I didn't hate it, and it was certainly enjoyable to watch. So, And it's not that much of a commitment. It was like two 25-minute episodes. So. Yeah, and once again, I think that's purpose on purpose, too, to keep yep. it sitcom-y. So. Right. Um, Movie news, Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios announced that Deadpool 3 is officially coming and then it's going to be R-rated and it's currently going to be coming out in 2022. So, uh, yeah, Marvel's like, you know, we had a recipe that worked for the first two. Let's not change that recipe. So, good for them for sticking with the R-rating. Yeah, it's... I was going to say this. It's weird that that's the introduction the X-Men are getting in the MCU, though. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. The first movie we're going to see is Deadpool, and the third movie, which can work because they can just break the third or the fourth wall and do that whole like, you know, Ryan Reynolds just being like, "Yeah, guys, like I jumped dimensions, what the fuck," and then move yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. But you know, good for Deadpool fans. And I doubt it's going to be called Deadpool Three. I think they need to distance themselves. No, it's going to be Deadpool colon some like reference Deadpool, to the fact that they're jumping X-Men, dimensions. X Men, or you know, yeah, now like, we're X Men. Yeah. You know, welcome to the MCU. I don't know, <laughs> but the um, and I mean, it from a financial standpoint. I mean, you make a Deadpool three, you're going to make a billion dollars because I think the last ones came pretty close to that, or at least at least half a billion dollars. Whatever, they're really profitable. So like, for them to make this movie. And like to and incorporate X Men and know that it's going to make them money is probably the safest way to do it. <laughs> you know, like instead of just jumping into X Men and like having it flop like everything has. Oh uh, yeah, and like you know, like you said, Deadpool is always profitable. Both movies are profitable. Mm-hmm. It's obvious because they even made a PG thirteen version, re released it, and still made right. a bunch of money off of right. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and like why not like as much as i'm not a deadpool fan i kind of shit on that first movie like you know a little bit over the top for the show but ryan reynolds is the perfect deadpool and what are you gonna do recast him like yeah, there's no. This isn't a, a Hugh Jackman situation where I believe Hugh Jackman is very recastable. Mm-hmm. As much as people love him, as much as I loved him in that, I've, he is recastable. I don't think Ryan Reynolds is recastable currently, so it makes sense to just like, all right, let's just keep doing this, and it gives us an R-rated movie and something different to put out there, and okay, and it doesn't have to connect into the big overarching story of what's going on. It can just be like, okay, here's Deadpool doing wacky shit. Like, give me some X Men characters, man. Oh, now I'm excited thinking about that. Like, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what they have in store for that. I really That's... want them. To, I really want them to nail Fantastic Four first, though. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think that needs to come out and be successful, and then I want to hear about X Men. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, rumor time. So this has been thrown around the internet. Uh, Chris Evans even tweeted and said, "This is news to me." Um, it's reported that Chris Evans will reprise his role as Steve Rogers but not as, as in a Captain America film, uh, as a cameo in other films. So, which is fine. I don't want him to come back in another Captain America film because I, you can tell, I mean, you're a bigger Captain America fan, but I thought the send-off they did with him was amazing. I thought, Perfect. I don't think, it, yeah, they don't need to do anything else. It's the best ending Cap could ever get. It's right. just perfect. Um, yeah, I love those three movies. I loved Endgame and what they did and how they like ended his saga and I think it was perfect. I am curious to see. First of all, the the Twitter, the tweet he came out with, um, I call bullshit on it because I've seen it so many times where these come out. Oh, so and so, Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac to me, Moon Knight, and he's just like, well, I know nothing about this. And it's like, right. okay, well now it's official. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. S- same with the woman who played She Hulk and so on and so forth. So I've seen it before, uh, but I could see maybe him popping up as like old man Steve again. Cause I know a lot of people have thrown out this, uh, that one of the things he really wanted to get away from the character was because like just staying in shape like that is a pain in the ass. And right. he openly said that. So him just showing up as old man, Steve again, maybe like doing quick, like, Hey Falcon, what's up buddy. And then leaving, <laughs> I can see that happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But people who are online saying, like, oh, my God, Captain America 4, or, oh, my God, uh, Peggy Carter Season 3 with Cap, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be just a quick, he's going to be, like, a cameo character, or at best, a Iron Man in the first Spider-Man movie kind of character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and that that's fine. I don't want anything more than that, you know, and I think you yeah. said that, too, so... Yeah, I don't. I don't need to see Steve Rogers punching more Nazis. Like, yeah, we got. I enough. got. I got three films of that. It's great. Yeah. Um. Awesome. So let's jump to this interview with David Whalen, and we'll see everybody on the other side. Welcome back, everybody. We've got a returning guest for you all today. A very special returning guest. Everybody, welcome back to the show, David Whalen. Welcome back, David. Hey guys, I really appreciate you having me on again. I, I uh, it was excited when I was able to reach out to you guys, and you were uh, um, nice enough to be able to have me return. Oh wow, D- he describes this as nice. Well, that's good. I mean, that's uh, that's <laughs> we haven't got a compliment like that in a while. So I'll, oh, I'll take that one. Well, yeah. I'm glad <laughs> to hand him out. <laughs> no, but uh, we always love to have guests back, and thanks for reaching out, man. That means we did something right the first time, I guess. And uh, definitely. 
Yeah, I mean, I hope everything's going well with Offspring. I mean, we talked about that the first time mm -hmm. uh, and where you wanted to go with the story. So yeah. obviously you're taking it places. I mean, it's it's ongoing now and uh, issue 14 coming out soon, right? So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we have uh, issue 14 coming out at the end of this month, January uh 27th i believe is the last wednesday of the month right uh awesome. this starts off issue 14 starts off season two. Oh, okay so uh issues one through 13 out and ready to go uh i have the trade uh volume was one two and three of the trades collecting all those and i plan on getting a big omnibus of mm -hmm. uh, issues one through 13 ready to go um i'm hoping before summer uh, be able to have the whole collected first season. I'm calling seasons first season issue one through thirteen. Uh, yeah, and issue fourteen, uh, when issue uh, thirteen finishes off, um, a whole bunch of questions are answered, but then more questions are asked. Mm. You know, so um, issue fourteen really starts off uh, with a, a brand new kind of uh, adventure that these kids have never dealt with before. I, I always wanted to, when I um, conceptualized this idea of this, these three kids. Um, who clearly have superpowers for a reason, um, clearly going through I issues of their own. I, I knew I wanted to uh, have them time travel at one point. Mm. So this starts off the, the time travel adventure, which will continue to be a, a theme throughout season two of, uh, of time traveling to different eras, different, uh, different places, to be able to uh, find a friend that has been lost, um, mm. that they did not know about until the last um, three issues story arc of issues uh, 11 12 and 13 so it's um they're they're on a quest uh and if they start off by time traveling into the civil war um and it nice. does not start off well for them uh <laughs> as you would probably guess yeah yeah uh, um, and i i'm finishing up uh, issue 14 now i have a great colorist chris mcgauley who has done work with um with the uh, james bond series the mm -hmm. dracula series done work at boom and marvel and dc and a whole bunch of other indie comics um, places and he the colors and the pages that he is um churning out for issue 14 look amazing i really think it takes the offspring to the next level i can't wait for people to see it so That's for it. anyone out there that you know didn't listen to the last interview and if you didn't go back and listen to it because it was awesome uh <laughs> what is the offspring just real so quick. yeah it is Twenty-somethings, uh, they all abused physically, mentally, emotionally as children, and how they were abused um, translated for them into superpowers. Okay. So one of them uh, was physically and mentally abused uh, by her father. Uh, so she developed a force shield around herself to be able to not have people touch her. Um, another, another of the uh, uh, Vince. Another of the characters, he his mother would constantly scold him with hot water. So now he was able to, he developed the power to be able to control the water in his body. So that if he was with on him, he could throw it back at his mom. And those are all, you know, those those um, answers uh, throughout the series issues. One through six is really where we, we dive into the, the whys and the hows of their superpowers. And uh, we come to find out through the first season that these three main characters are uh, the link to the beginning of the universe. Oh. And they were actually the start of the universe. Um, okay. And, uh, and we, uh, real, they realized that they're missing one of their members. 
So uh, it's uh, um, they, like I said, issue 11, 12, and thirteen really start off a whole like a whole different. If you think it's a at first, it's very grounded, down to earth. These kids have a lot of physical and emotional problems, and then it blows up into uh, uh, that they could never conceive of, which are these big, grandiose, uh, universal universations uh, that they never thought they'd ever have to. Um, worry about in their lives so uh once those uh those beings those uh godlike beings start to reveal themselves to them uh they start to realize that they have a bigger role uh in their lives than just um not being the biggest jerks in the world they have a yeah. they have a bigger role they have to they have to um uh find a, a a greater path for themselves to be able to um uh to be able to not end the world it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty big problem to have. Yeah. Not a, <laughs> the and I, you know, when you're talking about okay, they're gonna tackle a problem they've never tackled before mm-hmm. in season two. My my mind immediately went to time travel because <laughs> it's not really <laughs> something you can prepare yourself for. So, uh, you mm-hmm. said you want to go straight to the Civil War. Is that is that just an era that's always kind of interests you that that part of history or? Yeah, I've always been a fan of of reading about and watching uh, movies and documentaries about the Civil War, and it was just always a um, an era that really interested me. And, and to be able to start off these time travel stories uh, in the Civil War era was was a uh, kind of a, a, a I hate to use the phrase dream come true for me, but it really was to be able to know that I had a story to be able to tell with these um, three soon to be four characters uh, um, and have it told in a civil war era, just even as, as a writer, it was amazing to be able to, to, to have a story and know that it was a strong story and not just doing it to do it, but also as an artist to be able to draw the, the, you know, all the uniforms and the horses and the fun and the, you know, the, all the stuff that you would see some of it, not so fun, yeah. some of it very, uh, very uh, powerful and painful. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was, it was a great challenge for me that I was, that I was really happy that I undertook it because it, it because it's coming out really well. So cool. That's awesome. It, yeah, go ahead, Chris. I was just saying that's awesome. Yeah. The um and I mean when you when you do a time travel story too, the cool part is like you really you can go anywhere with it, right? I mean you could you could take them anywhere. So um are is there a limit or like there's only I mean you you talk about them being the start of the universe, so it's like you could go as far back as that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh you could go caveman style, you could you could do anything, right? Yeah, they, like I said, they come to realize that they were the kind of like the the catalyst for the Big Bang, um, and I and I explained it all in more detail in the story, obviously. Uh, and they come to realize that they have been reincarnated to life after life after life after life. They started off as amoebas and and kept growing and changing through you know millions of years, and they always were able to find each other because of this bond that they have of being the 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 four entities that essentially started the universe. So as they start to time travel, they keep going back and back and back, further back, further back, further back for them to do, be able to um, realize where they came from and, and kind of regain those memories um, to be able to think on a grander scale rather than just their problems that they have in their lifetime that we see them start as. Um, they start to grow a bigger understanding of, of the universe as a whole. So as they go back in time, it keeps going. Uh, they keep growing their knowledge about who they are. They are, uh, and eventually we do get to uh, to where they are the, um, the like Neanderthals and Neanderthals in, in caveman era. 
200, 200,000, you know, something years ago. Um, yep. And that's a story that, that um, catapults them into the next, into the next big event in their life to be able to uh, reach that level of understanding. Awesome. But, yeah. Yeah. It is, the book's really great. I, I'm so glad it keeps going and they have a really grand plan for it. So uh, outside of mm-hmm. the offspring, you have some other stuff you're working on too. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah, yeah, we're really um, pumping out some one shots the last couple of months. Nice. Um, I, I wanted to make sure that I uh, was able to flex some muscles other than just the, uh, an ongoing series. And uh, I'm a big fan of, of multiple different kinds of genres. So at the beginning of 2020, before all the weirdness started, yeah. I was able to get out my first one shot uh, called Shady Lady. And it is uh, very much like a thriller noir um, like Alfred Hitchcock, um, that kind of story. Um, it's, uh, what it is, it's a story of a very normal, no superpowers, no anything like that, a very normal young lady who um, is kind of thrust into these um, situations that are, that are very contemporary. Uh, it happens now in New York City. And she keeps getting thrust into these situations, similar to situations you might have maybe seen on the news where people are... are sticking that they shouldn't be or there are um bigger uh, socioeconomic issues um that have been happening in the united states over the last you know few years um and it's really her story of how she confronts these issues um and also deals with issues uh, that she has of her own uh, at the end of the story you come to realize why she takes on these um these social issues why she feels the need to be able to go in and help uh, where she can and when she can, uh, because she has dealt with some of these issues firsthand. And you come to find out through the story why um, she's doing the things she's doing and how she um, is able to uh, give herself some solace by the end of the story. That was very cool. It's a lot different yeah. other route than what you took with the offspring, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, no no big universal universe yeah. uh, changing anything. It's, it's a very, it's a very, uh, very intimate story. Of of one woman's kind of journey of of helping other people while helping while helping to fix herself also. Very cool. And then I have an, another one shot that came out at the end of summer called uh, I Won't Stop, and it's a uh, it's again a more uh, shifting genres. It's a more uh, traditional superhero story, um, but I wanted to do if I was going to do a superhero story, I didn't just want to do a normal you know you know fight them up uh, kind of story. I wanted to do something that was a little bit different, a little bit more psychological. So I have a Superman type character named Spiral who goes through an event in his life that that completely shatters him, changes his outlook on the world, changes outlook on what, what he thinks his role is in the world. Um, so what he does is he decides that he does not anyone, want anyone to feel the pain that he's feeling uh, because of this loss that happens to him. So he decides that he is foregoing alter ego. He is foregoing job. He is foregoing friendship. He is foregoing any kind of personal relationships or personal life of his own. His job, he feels, is just to save everything, everybody from everything that's ever happened, that will ever happen to them. So the idea of I won't stop is is he is 24 hours a day, seven days a week uh, saving people. And it's it goes through the story, and it's it kind of starts to 
uh, point out the, the psychological and the physical ramifications of that kind of decision in this mm-hmm. Superman type character. Mm-hmm. And by the end, um, because of his, his kind of psychological and physical deterioration, the, the name of the character is Spiral. So you can kind of get an idea of, of uh, where, you know, where he's going. Um, yeah. he, makes, he makes a decision, or better yet, um, does something where he uh, a decision, makes a decision that he would not have made if he was really in his right mind. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, the way that he perceives himself and the way that other people perceive him. So it's a more of a psychological than uh, than a uh, bang bang kapow um, yeah. punch him up superhero and story. I think uh, the the well, everybody always talks about how Superman's you know weak to kryptonite, but uh, the one thing that I like that's always that's not explored enough with him is he can't be everywhere all the time, you know and mm-hmm. A lot of the times he has that internal conflict and, you know, there's been, they kind of shrug it off of like, oh, I learned to tune that out or I've learned to deal with it. But yeah, I mean, like, how do you, you how do you weigh those things of like, oh, there's, you know, there's a, a family in a car crash and like mm-hmm. a ship sinking. Like, how do I weigh those options at the same time? You know, so I've always, exactly. I always wish those types of things were explored more like just like the, the psychological ramifications of it, because He's stronger, you know, than the average human, but his mind should be the same, you know. Or yeah. he's, he suffers the same turmoil, I would say, but that's cool. Yeah, it's definitely that um, the idea of uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Where does the responsibility end? Where do you? Where does the individual who has the power draw the line on right. where their responsibility ends? And that's really um, taking that idea and kind of turning it on its head a little bit. There's a couple characters, uh, like Justice League type characters, in there that try to talk some sense into him. And he says, "If you're if you're not helping me, get out of the way. Just don't bother me unless you're helping me. Then great, I could use all the help I can get. But if you're trying to get me to stop, I will not stop. So get out of my way." Well, and as if you're watching the video, you can tell from behind you, and as we know from previous interviews, I know you're a huge Superman fan. It's always that idea of, like, Superman... Part of what makes Superman Superman is the fact that he's an alien from another world and all that, but, like, his humanity is what keeps him grounded. And, like, going to a job every day and, like, having family and friends and, like, doing things that people do are really what keep him Mm -hmm. going. And so the, that idea of, like, screw all that, I'm not doing it, and just going to be Superman 24-7, like, yeah, it's something that isn't, ex- isn't explored enough in the mainstream comics. Mm-hmm. So it's a cool idea. I like that. Yeah. I agree. That's one of the reasons why I came up with this this uh, concept, this idea, and it, and it's you know I'm not saying that I you know that it's 100% originally my idea because they have dealt with psychological ramifications of superheroes, but I think the way that I do it is is a little bit different than what most people would see in a superhero story yeah awesome well, what else you got i'm excited so i had one <laughs> more yeah one more <laughs> i had one more one shot come out uh, in 2020 uh and yep. it's a, a little bit lighter fare it's uh, a story called will aliens do my homework and uh as a teacher i'm a an elementary art teacher so i okay. i teach kindergarten um, and I was walking through the classroom one day uh, with, I believe I had second graders in my room and they were drawing and we were talking and everything was great. Music was playing and they were doing all doing their job. And I, the thought popped in my head, what would I do if aliens were to attack right now? How would I be able to handle that situation? That's where yeah. my mind goes yep. for yeah, whatever right. reason. 
Normal. So, um, so by the end of the day, I had an outline of a story of what would happen if I would, if I, if aliens were to attack the school while I was teaching, and what I would do with these with these you know, thirteen, fourteen, in some cases, eighteen. Uh, so as I was writing the story and really fleshing it out, I decided that um, uh, I'd up the age a little bit, uh, so it's uh, uh, and make the teacher female. Um, just because I um, I really wanted to separate it from my own experience, from it being me to being uh, an every teacher in every kind of situation, every uh, an everyday teacher that um, would kind of laugh and chuckle at some of the inside teacher jokes that I put in there. Mm-hmm. So um, this um, female art teacher has about 12 fourth graders in her classroom and aliens attack, uh, um, and she figure out a way to keep these uh, fourth graders safe um so it's the story of her getting from point a to point b without any of these kids getting harmed or injured and without her getting her harmed or harm or injured injured in the process um and it's one of those stories a lot of my one shots they'll have be a lot more there there um the story will you know will um, come to a nice conclusion after 24 pages but it can also go in a, a million different directions um if people want to see more from these characters there's definitely a lot more there in all these one shots that i put together um so they they uh in the story but you also know that there's there's so much more story there with this teacher with these kids with this alien abduction uh that or alien uh, aliens attacking uh, uh this school um, but it really was a little bit more of a of a fun story for me to be able to kind of flex my muscles, be able to bring my two worlds together of teacher and comic book creator and be able to use some of those uh, insights that I have. And any anybody who would ever read it that has ever worked with kids would uh, uh, laugh at some of the situations and some of the things that as a teacher, even in the weirdest of circumstances, kids are going to be kids and kids are going to do those things that you're like, please stop. Because we're, we're being attacked by aliens right now, you need to run. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you don't stop talking about it. Great. Run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, it was a, it was a really fun story to write and to draw, and um, I've got a lot of great feedback from it. Um, it's a the probably the most lighthearted story that I've uh, produced so far, um, but it's still got some of those deep underpinning meanings and concepts uh, behind it. That's awesome. Yeah, I wish I wish aliens attacked when I was in school. I'd probably like you know be constructive and <laughs> do something <laughs> awesome yeah that's i mean those like if you were to tell me those are the three genres i mean those they're also wildly you know far from each other as as far as like yeah. what you're writing and it's and like you said you're like flexing different muscles here it, so it's yeah. got to you're, you're i mean these start off as ideas like you said but the way you go about writing them it's got to feel a little different each time right oh yeah Definitely. I um, try to make sure that I look at it from, from especially uh, through the arcs and the characters, try to look at it from a different way. These are all different people with different experiences. They were handled a lot differently. Um, so I try to make sure that um, I do like a choose your own adventure in my own brain as I'm writing it down. They have three choices here. This this is choice one, choice two, choice three. I did choice two a couple issues, a couple one shots ago. So I'm not going to do choice too. So that's kind of how I work. I kind of figure out ways to be able to, um, to be able to change up not only the genre and the characters, but also give these characters the, um, by the end of the 24 issues, you kind of feel that they're a whole person that they, that they, especially the, the main characters, uh, that one main protagonist that they, um, that they're a whole person that you could see them on the street and know who they are. Um, so 
that's one of the things I try to make a cohesive thing throughout all my one shots. But yeah, definitely um, putting stories together for each different genre um, is definitely uh, definitely flexes different parts of the brain. That's awesome, really cool. Yeah, I mean, what so, else? What any more one shots or? Um, I have a couple in development right now. Uh, okay. I have one that I'm hoping to put out in spring. Uh, and it is uh, one that I actually I came up with a concept, but a buddy of mine and I'm going to put more of that stuff on Facebook. Um, mm -hmm. A buddy of mine, I, I called him up and I said, um, I said, he's a big horror guy. Ooh. And I called him up and I said, I've got this 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 idea for like a um, Friday the 13th Halloween uh, Nightmare on Elm Street type slasher story. Nice. Um, and I kind of walked him through what I was thinking. And by the end of our half hour conversation, we had, we had an outline, we had, a, we had, you know, plot points and we had dialogue and we had things ready to go. So, awesome. um, it, it's a, it's again, a, a, a shift in genres. And this is probably going to be the, um, the scariest, bloodiest, um, one shot that, that I've put <laughs> out so far. And it's called the uh, sock hop killer. Okay. And what it is is the um, you know the the girls in the poodle skirts and the sock hop yeah. and the like picture uh, Sandy at the end of Greece, yeah, mm -hmm. like that kind of yep. uh, as a serial killer. Okay, wow. So uh, cool. I, we we've developed a pretty cool mask. I um, mean, you got to have some kind of mask or some kind oh, yeah. of like recognizable thing. So right. I really think the uh, while the concept isn't the most original world in the world, I think the the main character, the villain, um, is. Is, is such a, a, a 180 twist on what you normally see in this kind of situation. I think it's it's going to be real fun and people are going to enjoy it. That's awesome. That's really cool, man. Like I, I think this is the third time we've had you on here, and I feel like every time, there's usually about a year in between, there's just so much mm -hmm. content that comes out, and it's great to see that <laughs> you, just, you can continue to yeah. put more and more great stuff out. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you're yeah. just pumping all this stuff out, and like, and everything's a new and intriguing idea too. And I think like you said, it definitely helps doing these one shots. Right. I mean, because you're not really, you don't like write yourself into a continuity. You can kind of just do whatever you want with these characters for now. Right. Like you yeah. said. Yeah. That was one of my, my, my goals with the one shots is I had so many ideas and I was trying to make them four issue miniseries or 100 plus page graphic novels. And I, and I, so once I decided that um, the contained smaller contained stories was a better option for me in the way that I want to write and the kind of stories that I want to publish, it just all kind of started coming together. Um, the, the one, the sock hop killer is the, is the first one, one shot coming out in 2021. And I plan on getting at least two more out by the end of the year while still putting out uh, the offspring um, every probably every three months in a realistic world. Um, so uh, yeah, just, I love creating concept, uh, you know, content. I love being a different kind of stories out there, have people um, see them and go, Oh, I've never quite seen that before. Um, if I get that, then I take it as a, a high compliment because it's, it's in this industry. You want to, you know, I think for me to be able to stand out, it's gotta be things that are familiar yet turned on their head so much that people go oh i understand concept but i've never seen it like this before um mm -hmm. and hopefully they'll want to read it awesome so when you put out these one shots just real quick kind of a little bit behind the scenes like are they traditional like 20 22 pages or are you doing these in kind of a more extended like 48 96 so on and so forth pages i try to stick with between 23 to 25 pages okay um just because 
Um, I know the way I work. Um, I'm writing and, and drawing and lettering and, and formatting and covers and all everything. Yeah. So I know that I can get a 24-page one-shot out in two months. Um, I, I've gotten to the point now where I know I've, if, what, if I'm working on a one-shot, I've got the next one ready to go thumbnailed and ready to go. So it's kind of a continuous cycle of, all right, this one's, this one's done. It's in the bag. I'm very proud of it. But it also gives me a chance to be able to stop and be able to say, this one isn't quite coming out the way I want it to come out. It gives me a chance to be able to uh, stop and retool if I need to. Um, I, my plan isn't just to get it out fast. I want to get it out good also. Um, so I want it to be something where people look at it and say, oh, yeah, this um, this is the story that I wanted to tell, but also visually compelling, uh, visually um, interesting, and also a story that people want to read more about. And have you thought about doing like a, a collected, like the, the many stories of David Whalen, like, you know, kind of thing where you put all mm -hmm. these together in one trade or something like that? I have with um, the Sock Hop Killer, that would be, be uh, the full one shot. Um, in less than two years. So along with the offspring uh, that, that I'm putting out. So my plan is to, they come out black and white in print and digital. So my plan for the first, for every four one shots that I put out to color them and put them out in trade awesome. as a colored uh, trade of the four issue minis here. Actually, I already have the, um, uh, the covers, uh, the cover. First of all, uh, four, four one-shots that are going to be compiled into a trade ready to go. It's just a matter of um, of getting it there. You know, anybody in this industry knows that it is time-consuming. Yeah. Um, so uh, quick but quality is always my my mantra. Um, but I also need to make sure that I tuck my kids in, a, in bed at night. <laughs> yeah, <there you laughs> that, that, uh, that, I, that I don't fall behind on my day job. That uh, my you know, wife uh, knows that I remember her name from time to time. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it, really, it really has been a, a juggling act for these few years of, of self-publishing. But it, quite honestly, it's been really fun. And my, my kids and my wife support me 100%. Um, and I couldn't do it if I if they didn't. Uh, so I'm I'm really lucky to be able to um, to be able to uh, multiply my time and not really have to divide it too much. Very cool. Well, and something that's not talked about enough, especially with like up and coming artists and everything. But there's a certain amount of like it's good enough. It's never going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. It needs to be mm -hmm. good enough. And I, <laughs> I think that's something that really like a lot of artists, especially. Yeah. Uh, a lot of professional artists know this. I'm talking the up and comers right now. We're like, mm -hmm. it's something you need to learn. Like, you can always tweak, you can always change, you can always make it better. But at a certain point, it's got to hit the printer. Like, <laughs> exactly, so. exactly. Yeah, there. You know, there's been times where I would be going through an issue, and I, I'll be on page twelve, and I'm kind of looking back, remember my continuity and all that kind of stuff, and I go, page five, you know, panel three, I can do that panel better. So I'll take a few seconds and I'll, I'll come up with some different things and different ways to be able to do it. If it, for me, if it doesn't happen in a half an hour to be able to fix that panel, then, then I walk away from it. Usually the new, the, the, the inspiration for a better panel comes to me fairly, you know, eventually. Um, but it, it really is that you have to let go of the idea that it's going to be hanging in the Louvre one day. It's not. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. While while um, being proud of your work is, is definitely essential, you will also have to know if you want to get sequential pages out, does it tell the story? Is everything in proportion? Or your, is your perspective correct? Is there enough detail in the background and enough detail in the picture to help move the story forward? It is. Let's keep going then. Awesome. And then if something, Ed, before the book comes out, if something pops into your brain while you're sleeping, then it's a better way to be able to communicate that idea on that panel. Then, then by all means, get it done. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Get it on there. Great. So, yeah. yeah. So much awesome stuff, man. Uh, it's always great having you on talking about what's new and what, what you're going through. Um, if people out there want to follow you further or go purchase some of these books, where can, uh, where can people go to find you? So you can always find me on in links to all, all my books on uh, correcthandacomics.com. Uh, and you'll find preview uh, preview pages. Uh, you'll find all of our one-shots, all of our ongoing series, our 100-plus uh, page graphic novel, our four-issue miniseries. You can also find I do a lot of my communicating through uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And my Facebook is at Correct Handed Comics. Instagram and Twitter is Correct underscore Handed. Um, so usually if you type in Correct Handed, um, you'll, you'll find me. I'll pop up my big hand. A logo that says correct handed comics on it will pop up. Um, and and uh, there was one more. Oh, you know what I've really found has been, and this is a great um, thing for like we were talking about up and comers and people who are kind of just getting into it. I've gotten a lot of response and a lot of feedback positive uh, from um, TikTok, oh. believe it or not. I know I'm an old man, and I said my my daughter is is uh, 12, and she's constantly doing the dances and TikToking, you know, yeah. even when a when yeah. her phone's better. so I was looking at it one day, and I said this would be just really so I made 10 or so videos, just fun, nothing like funny stuff, um, mm -hmm. showing off some of my my books, and immediately yeah. got hits. Immediately wow. got people asking me, you know, to give me more, to give them more information. So um, even an old man like me could could uh, work on TikTok. Well, I, I mean, you brought up, so. you said tick, tick talking, and I'm like, oh, is it a, is it a verb now? Because I, I must have missed that. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Is it? Is it? I, I don't know. I guess so. I made sense. Uh, I mean, it sounded right. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I think I anybody saying, has like, a, parent, a parent with it. Yeah. Yeah. Chris is saying, trying Mike, to start we got to get up on this yeah. TikTok. Uh, yeah, there you go. I think anybody, any parent will say, will at one point in the last couple of years has, has yelled out, will you stop TikToking? <laughs> And eat your dinner. Yep. I'm sure that that has happened in most households in America. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, David. We love having you on, and love to have you back. You know, when you get you get these uh, offspring season two out, and uh, yeah, you're always welcome. Thank you, guys. I really, again, really appreciate you having me on again. Yep. Um, and I, I have a great time every time I'm here. I, I uh, um, can't wait for the next time we get to talk to each other, and hope maybe less than a year this time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, we're here. <laughs> well, Maybe awesome. maybe we'll be able to see each other in person this year since uh, uh, things might open up at some point. That'd be great. <laughs> let's let's hope for yeah. the best. Yes, awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> great. Welcome to the other side, everybody. We're on the other side. We're here. Um, yeah, so please check check David out and uh, all the cool stuff he's doing. So he will for sure be back. Uh, yeah. And hopefully, everybody will see him at con soon. Yeah, you remember Comic Cons? Yeah, going out and doing they might things. Come back. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to the comic news.
DC is continuing to add to their lineup to uh, post future state. So this is this is interesting stuff. There's uh there's some pretty pretty uh I'm excited. Just want to give you a heads up before I finish this. But uh, first up is a new ongoing Robin title starring Damian Wayne, written by Joshua Williams, and art by Gleb Melanikov. Um, Joshua Williamson, sorry. Yeah, so Damian Wayne, uh, they try to do this Robin thing a lot, I feel like. Uh, and it doesn't work for me. I don't know about you, but I just... Damien isn't a strong enough. There's there's a lot of Robin fans out there, so I I mean I'm sure they'll be picking this up. But and this is one of the things we differ on. I I love Damien Wayne. I love yeah. that character. I'm I wish it was more picking up where they left Damien pre Future State of him being like he went over he went too far and he's no longer Robin. He just he's going off and trying to figure out his own shit, but. I'll check it out, especially Joshua Williams Williamson. I think he's a great writer, and I think he's got um, a chance to be someone that we talk about more often in the future. He did the Batman Superman run recently, right? Was that him? Uh, yes, and he did yeah. when Flash first came back in uh, and Rebirth and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So he's done like the we like the Batman Superman one. Um, you're gonna be hard pressed to me read Flash, so I didn't read that, but it was good. But people liked it, and so I'm down to check stuff out that he's doing. And the fact that it's Damian Wayne just kind of adds that to me. This um, I'm more excited about is the Batman limited series titled Batman: The Dark Knight Original. That's that's very original. Uh, written by Tom Taylor with art by Andy Kubert. Oh, take my money. The series will introduce new characters to the Bat family. It's kind of it's kind of interesting to me that you're titling a book Batman: The Dark Knight, and you're going to focus on new characters to the Bat family. That's a little strange, but I mean, you put Tom Taylor on a book and then you follow it up with Andy Kubert. Oh, <laughs> so I'm super excited about this. Yeah, uh, the yeah new characters and also a new villain was another thing. Like it's not oh. going to be a it's not going to be two facing because I guess he's going to be in Europe. For oh, because okay. reasons, yeah, but it's not like sure. Two Faces in Paris, like turning the Mona Lisa Two Face. I don't know, but <laughs> that's a great story. I would read that. <laughs> that's a great '60s Batman story, though. <laughs> oh man! But they're actually going to try to like try to do new things, and yeah, I love Tom Taylor. Yeah. But I was laughing because when this was announced, this announced right after Robin. Mm-hmm. I like I started to tell a mutual friend of ours. That I'm getting new 52 vibes, mm-hmm. where like so far the announcements for the books have been Batman, Batman the Dark Knight, Robin, yep. Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Like when's Batgirl coming? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Like we're really gonna be Detective Comics now. <laughs> we had a we had a, didn't we have a Batwing comic too? <laughs> for, yeah, sure. I, yeah. I remember when New 52 happened, like the joke was that it's the New 52 Batman books because mm-hmm. it was so many. And yeah. fine, because I like Batman, but it was Great. just... Yeah. yeah. Um, DC announced a crossover digital series with Rooster Teeth. You gotta help me out here. RWBY and the Justice Ruby. League. Ruby? Okay. Is the series, and the only thing we know currently is that the artist for it uh, the artist for Ruby will draw the book. I don't know nothing about Ruby. 
I know Ruby through secondhand knowledge, and I know it's really popular. Okay. It's it's like one of the first American animes that's actually been uh, shipped over to Japan to be localized in Japan. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's it's an anime series. It was done by Rooster Teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone that doesn't know, I mean, if you're watching this on YouTube, you don't know who Rooster Teeth is. Uh, uh, Rooster Teeth practically invented YouTube. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so people are excited about this. I have never watched Ruby. I'm not a Rooster Teeth fan, other than like the old Red versus Blue Red stuff versus that Blue. they did. Yeah, that's that's all I thought when you said Rooster Teeth and this. I was like, this has nothing to do with Red versus Blue. That's what I was watching back in the day. So I used to follow a channel called Kind of Funny, and they did partnerships with Rooster Teeth. So I know about Rooster Teeth through that, yep. and I know that they've they've turned into this monolith thing that is more than just making Red versus Blue. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy how far they've come. Um, yeah. DC announces another series coming to digital platforms. First titled Next Batman, Second Son, written by John Ridley with art by Tony Akins. Um, oh, art by Tony Akins, Travel Foreman, and Mark Morales. The series is going to center around Future State's Next Batman and answer some of the questions that surround him and his origins. Okay. Did you uh, read Next Batman? I can't remember. I didn't. No, because it focuses on uh, uh, Luke, right? Yeah, Luke Fox. Yeah, just not a strong enough character for me, man. I, if Scott Snyder wrote the character and I couldn't get into it, it's <laughs> it's hard. They they're pushing him hard. Yeah. So I almost want to check it out just because of how hard they're pushing him. Yeah. Right. Maybe but, it's good. Maybe I should. I mean, most of the future stuff, and we'll talk about it a little bit. I've read about four or five future state books now, and I haven't really been disappointed with one yet so i think i've read two future state yeah. books and it's a half and half as once again as we'll talk about later mm-hmm. but uh my dc purchasing has been down so i've been more apt to be like well Let me let's try see what next batman has or let's see because now yeah. i want to like i want to go back and check out swamp thing after talking to you and oh dude swamp thing was really good yeah. they did a a robin series and i was like well maybe let's see what it's all about and like there's other things where mm-hmm. i'm like you know i'm not buying as many dc books right now so my i have more money to spend for comics yep. so i'm like well let's see maybe it's something cool i don't know mm-hmm. um yeah i mean and here we go some more batman stuff Batman's you're excited getting... for this one yeah, this. I mean, these are always a lot of fun. Batman's getting a new team-up series on digital platform titled Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries, written by Ivan Cohen and art by Dario Bruzuela. And as the title states, the series will team up Batman and characters from Scooby-Doo Mysteries solving mysteries. I mean, greatest detective with the greatest uh, group of detectives. There you go. Yeah. And uh, anyone out there, check out the cover for the first issue because the artist for it did a homage cover for Batman Year One. That's oh, really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Darkhawk is returning to Marvel for his 30th anniversary. The one-shot comic will reunite original uh, creators Danny Fingeroth and Mike Manley, as well as other creators, to set up the character for his Marvel Comics feature. Does Darkhawk have a feature at Marvel? No. 
Uh, but speculators everywhere so happy. Oh yeah, they're like, "This is my time has come." My my fifty cent comic. So I I was telling a friend this. I am a part of a speculator group on Facebook, mm-hmm. and I do it mostly for entertainment purposes. Oh, I'm sure. I, yeah, I started. I started watching it because I was trying, you know, I'm still like kind of selling off some old comics I don't want anymore, trying to make room for new ones, this and that, as we do. And so I was like, I'll go in there and see what those people have to say and try to get input and all this. And then now it's turned into uh, entertainment. And my favorite thing was they recently redid the copyright for Darkhawk, presumably for this. And everybody freaked out because Darkhawk was one of those books where like it was a 90s book that everyone bought because it was going to put your kids through college mm-hmm. and now it's like a 50 cent dollar bin book yep. so guys have a ton of them and then this happened and the price like skyrocketed to like a couple hundred dollars because oh there might be a movie announced right right and so oh, Darkhawk is just funny to me because of that like I, that's my connection to Darkhawk is like uh, watching these people can't believe it He's not a uh, terrible character. He's just kind right. of a 90s staple. Yeah. There was just too many. Um, Marvel Champions is going ongoing. After uh, E-Viewing's fifth issue, the series will continue on with a new creative team. It's going to be written by Danny Lore with art by Luciano Vecchio. Excuse me. So that's, like, I don't know if you're reading that, but... I am. So they're doing a five-issue series where it's, like, uh, Marvel or Champions Outlawed. And, like, the whole thing is now teenage superheroes are outlawed. They can't be heroes. They have to have, like, in order to be a teenage hero, you have to have a mentor. So in order for Robin to go out and do his thing, he has to have Batman. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of idea. Right. And it was always going to be five-issue series. And I guess it's doing well enough because they said, hey, let's do ongoing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, But I like champions. Like, they're a cool group. Um, I mostly get it because I just like Miles. <laughs> Right, right. So. Yeah, who doesn't? Um, all right, so I guess we'll talk about what we read this week. Uh, yeah. I'm going to start off with probably the, the two that I liked the least. Uh, well, not the least, but I mean, and not to say that they're bad, but um, uh, Future State Green Lantern, number one. This is written by Jeffrey Thorne and Tom Rainey. Uh, there's two stories here. The second one is actually better than the first. Uh, which Shockingly better. Yeah, which is like, I don't, I, and I'm trying to think about this, Chris, after I finished, I don't think this has ever happened to me with a comic book, <laughs> where the, like, the little, like, four or five issues <laughs> in the end of the book, it, even the art was better. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's not written by the same person. I, I don't know if you have it in front of you, but you could maybe list them off, but, uh, yeah, I, I forgot to write that part down. So the, the first story is, is a, is a John Stewart story leading a resistant on a planet, and the problem is you gave me a lantern story without any lanterns. <laughs> so here's my first problem with this book. Yeah. Everybody look at this cover. Right. John Stewart's in a Green Lantern outfit. Right, right. And for the, that doesn't the next, happen in the book. Right. For the next for the next well, I don't know, twenty four pages, uh he's he's leading a resistance on a planet. I don't know, saving some planet, he's got a laser sword. It's it's really not that great. The second story was First just and foremost. It's very important that John Stewart's doing his best uh, cosplay of Bishop from the X Men. Yeah. Too. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I mean the way they drew him, he looks just like Idris Elba as well. So, <laughs> um, 
Anyways, the first story we could kind of gloss over. The second story about Jessica Cruz was actually really good. And do you have the artist and writer for that one? Uh, I can let me see if it says in the actual issue. Say, yeah, I should say it right at the start of the um, that story. But uh, we get some yellow lanterns that go. Are, yep, it's Ryan Caddy is the writer, and the artist is Sammy uh, Basuri. Okay, and this this story is way better than the first part. Um, Jessica Cruz is alone on a space station uh, as part of the the lantern power battery. We know something has gone wrong where none of the lanterns are around anymore. Um, these three yellow lanterns show up. One of them embodies the parallax. It's like uh, the powers are like within her. Uh, basically, she ambushes each of the lanterns and she goes to fight the, um, the last one, the leader. And she can wield a yellow battery power battery and it's chosen for a yellow lantern ring which is crazy because you know uh it sees her as instilling fear on someone and so it's like damn you should be a yellow lantern i thought it was a great story i don't know about you but yeah i really liked it um yeah and i liked uh i liked her in justice league odyssey like i thought she's a decent enough character i thought her introduction into the dc universe was weak yep and she's grown since then but it's still to me shocking that I like this so much more than I did the John Stewart story. Yeah, I yeah, really. Um, Kick Ass versus Hit Girl number three. This is Steve Niles and Marcelo Frusen. Uh, you know, we have the fight between Kick Ass and Hit Girl. Um, Kick Ass actually beats her because Kick Ass is a trained uh, war veteran. Uh, and then we have this thing with her family and the friend that's like watching her kids for her or getting closer to finding out that she's kick-ass. Um, while all this is happening, the cartel the cartel calls in backup because they know that Hit Girl and Kick-Ass are together and they want to start going after both of them. So, not a bad issue. Um, uh, Future State Justice League. So, did this have two stories? Because I only read the first one. I did not read it. Okay. I, I think I gotta finish up the issue. Um, but this is Joshua Williamson, speaking of Joshua Williamson, and Robson Roca on the art. Uh, art's amazing. Story is really strong. Uh, we get a new Justice League from uh, the multiverse, and so we have a uh, new Flash. We have, um, we have Jonathan Kent as Superman. Uh, we have a Flash from uh, another timeline universe. I think it's supposed to be... I think it's supposed to be Johnny Quick, but I'm not sure. And then we have... Uh, Aqua Woman, which is awesome. The daughter of Aquaman, of Arthur Curry. Uh, crazy, crazy awesome lineup, I think. I think this is really cool. The uh, there's, a, there's a scene with the Legion of Doom um, is all meeting up saying, like, okay, we gotta take, we gotta, you know, kill the Justice League. And then, like, the next page, the Legion of Doom is murdered. So it's, like, really funny. They do, like, a whole roll call and spend time, like, on each of the people in the Legion of Doom, and then they're just all dead. Um, there were some cool alternate villains uh, in the Legion of Doom. So um, it's interesting because the new Justice League isn't as like tight and friendly, like a tight knit group, like um, the last Justice League. Because there's a story that, and I don't think this is talked about anywhere, but someone betrays the Justice League. And it's one of the Justice Leaguers. So what they do is they have this new rule where um, 
the the league members can't share personal info. So, like, you know how Batman knows, you know, Clark Kent is Superman and stuff like that. Like, they don't have mm-hmm. those relationships with each other. Um, but it, they, it finds out that the when the Legion of Doom is murdered... It's they're murdered by the Hyper Clan, and the Hyper Clan are these they're these white Martians. Um, and so they they show up and they're like they look like a Justice League, but they're all like morphed and like mutant looking. Um, but what they're doing this time, they and they talk about how we are white Martians that were cast out before because we look like Martians. Now what they're doing is they're transform because we know white Martians white Martians can change their form. They're making themselves look like the Justice League. And they basically capture all the Justice League members and they're going to go around making a, a bad name for the Justice League and just like killing people instead of... I thought it was a solid story. I mean, Joshua Williamson took a whole new spin on the Justice League. Uh, we got some cool Legion of Doom people until they died, which kind of sucked. Um, but even like the Hyper Clan uh, like splash page was awesome. So I, I think out of the, the future states so far, I mean, like Justice League has been good. Um Swamp Thing was awesome, and Harley Quinn was really solid. So, uh, you know, good on DC for doing some cool stuff. I mean, this, this is a... I haven't had this much fun reading Justice League in a while because it was, like, new and interesting, you know? It's like, oh, I haven't mm-hmm. seen these characters in a while. Um, I do wish DC would go back to kind of changing the team around a little bit every so often. It it's felt a- like... It, it felt like a an old school justice league issue. Like you write it and you're like, Oh, justice league gets captured. Oh, there's an evil like version of the justice league. I'm like, that's what I want out of a justice league. But, yeah. you know, it's like, man, this is awesome. Well, it's one thing that Marvel does with the uh, Avengers that I like, where like when someone takes it over and they do something, usually the team changes a bit and some of the hierarchy changes. And it's like, there's always like caps usually in it. You know, Black mm-hmm. Panther's usually in it, but like for yeah. the most part, but like now the new team's got like Ghost Rider and like all these weird characters. Where I feel like Justice League over the past since New Fifty Two, really, it's been like the same basic group of characters. I know mm-hmm. with the lat with Scott's run, they added a few, but for the most part, like I wish they would kind of like replace characters and move them around and do a couple new things to make it feel a little different. Right. Yeah. But, um. And there's a lot of future states that came out this week. I, I another one I was going to check out I didn't get to though was Superman Wonder Woman, and uh, even like Dark Detective looked interesting. But um, then the last comic I read this week was uh, The Wrong Earth Night and Day, which is Tom Pear, uh, Jamal uh, uh, Eagle on the art. And I, you guys know how much I love Wrong Earth. Um, I'm I'm loving that it's back. Uh, we get a we get a one year time jump, so both of the dragonfly heroes that have swapped have been there for a year, and it's interesting because you see like the Dark Knight version of Dragonfly starting to be more poppy and more animated, um, like you know like the '60s Batman version. Uh, so you know we get, we start off with this shitty villain Pilgrim Progress in the '60s world uh, captures Stinger and Dragonfly Man and ties them up, and he's like. Everything's like pilgrim theme, so he's like, and his big his big bad idea is he's gonna he has them over this boiling water, but the the town's water is so hard and like awful that boiling the water like below them is gonna release noxious gas to like kill them. <laughs> so I think it was like a, a stab at like Flint, Michigan, or something. But uh, 
it was is it's really funny. So then we get we get um, we find out on both Earths that uh, the mirrors that they use to swap uh, Earths are popping up randomly all over, and people aren't going through them, but there's like like waste and pollution going through them. So someone's using them. Basically, by the end of the issue, um, both Dragonfly versions go through a mirror and they crash their cars into each other and find each other, and that's how the issue ends. So, I love I love the story of these characters, and you know Tom Perry just that man can write. So, really great stuff. So, uh, real quick, this one came out a few weeks ago, but I finally read Generation Shattered. Mm. Um, it was. <laughs> So first of all, old man uh, Booster Gold finds Commandy and is like, hey, come with me, young boy, and help me out. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up dying, giving Commandy control over Skeets, oh. who is now a gauntlet for some reason. And okay. uh, so he has to go back and find all these characters. So like the, you, if you remember the team that was being set up, it was like Green Lantern, Sinestro, and Superboy, and all these other weird characters. Half of them are brought into this on accident, where, like, Commandy doesn't really... Booster Gold had a plan. Commandy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Mm-hmm. So when, like, they want to get uh, Superman, they accidentally get Steel instead. And, okay. like, stuff like that. So that's where kind of the weird team comes about. It was kind of a fun way to put it together. All in all, it just seems like what's happening is that it's taking place... Somewhere in the ending of Death Metal, where like everything's disappearing, time is shattering, and it's up to Commandy and this like new team to try to uh, take down the villain who's going to you know erase time. And the the villain was Dominus or Dominus, mm-hmm. someone I've never seen before, but I'm told is like an old school DC villain. Remember, but I'm not a huge DC fan. <laughs> <laughs> but it was I don't know, it was fun it was a little too long but I thought it should have been like instead of doing this in two like oversized uh, issues maybe they should have done it as like a small series like four issues or something just got it done with but it, it, I mean I'll read the second one just to finish the story uh, Amazing Spider-Man 57 is basically Peter and uh, Norman talking about how Norman's a dick. <laughs> and then, like, at the end of it, there, something's going on where uh, um, the new villain, Norman's son, is, uh, he's stuck in this dimension. He's stuck in Spot World, if, to be honest. But he's okay. stuck in this, like, alternate dimension that's created by Spot. Um, and we find out that he he planned to be there all along. And that he's not really stuck, and there's something going on. So there's like a reveal at the end where like the little millipede things attack somebody, and so obviously he's coming back. There's more to this than what happened in the last story. Mm-hmm. That was you know it was a good issue. Uh, King and Black Planet of Symbiotes number one. Uh, so this is two. This is a split issue. The first uh, story was all about Scream, and I just I don't care about Scream. I read yeah. a, I read the Scream uh, series that Colin Bunn did, and even then I was kind of like I don't care about Scream. <laughs> but the second story in it was interesting because it calls back to old Venom stuff and Donnie's run. 
where Cletus Cassidy's like great, 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 great grandfather was the first serial killer on the new world. And that's where like his heritage of being a piece of shit is comes back from that time. And so Noel goes and finds his tomb underneath uh, Ravenclaw. Mm. And they've connected this character to Ravenclaw in the past. So if you followed all this shit, you get the connection. <laughs> if if this is the first time you're reading it, you have no clue what's going on. But it was kind of cool because you know Noel comes out and finds his corpse, and then like gives him a symbiote, and you know tells him to rise and work for me. And he creates the a new symbiote villain called Plague, where this new symbiote can like suck the life force out of you. And basically turn you into a corpse while empowering himself. So now we have another Cassidy running around with a symbiote. And uh, yeah, he's on the loose. It ends with him just like kind of getting away. So I'm interested to see if it ties into King and Black. Or if they're going to do another in this series. Or what's going to go on. Uh, Star Wars Darth Vader number 9. It's basically Vader in this bounty hunter fighting for like half the story and, and you know it's fun it's darth vader he's got a lightsaber so it's fun um do, 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 do. sword number two is another king of black tie-in where they're trying to figure out how they can help what's going on on earth because you know sword's mission as we talked about earlier is to protect earth from intergalactic threats and they failed once again Two issues in, everybody. Uh, in. <laughs> so, but this version of Sword is all mutants. So they're they're like, well, how do we go down and help Krakoa fight against it so that Krakoa can become more powerful and then help save the world? And they get down and they see one of the symbiote dragons fighting a bunch of the X Men, and uh, you know they just go down to help them. And there's there's a story behind it where uh, Mentalo was sent down with his think tank okay. and which is literally a tank <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome to go rescue the five the five that can like rebirth uh mutants if anyone remembers from Hoxpox, like the whole thing where they can create eggs to rebirth mutants so they have even if they die they can come back mm-hmm. and it's so he does that and then it's kind of like all right what's next and it ends with uh one of the uh, X-Men is finally taken over by one of the symbiotes as this uh, event is all about and they're going to have to fight him in the next issue so it, it's pretty good I just kind of wish that two issues into S.W.O.R.D. we weren't immediately jumping into a uh, event crossover story but right. we'll see I, I still I'm, I still like S.W.O.R.D. and I have faith in Al Ewing to like keep it going and then speaking of crossing over, King and Black Thunderbolts number one. It's <laughs> so I'm gonna say I really liked it, but it has the same problem that I have with the Suicide Squad movie, where it there's this big team that they introduce, mm-hmm. and because only four of the characters, or five of the characters on the team are on the cover, I was just like, okay, so those guys are all gonna die right away, right? And I was right; they all died. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a cool little team. I like Thunderbolts. It's kind of like the Suicide Squad for the, for Marvel. Yep. Um, it's a little different where they don't actually work for the government, but that's the basic idea. And they're sent to Ravenclaw to go find Norman. And uh, allegedly, uh, Wilson Fisk thinks that Norman's going to be the one to save the world from Null. So that's kind of what their mission is all along. And yep. 
and along the way, you know, Bat Rock the Leapers in this book, so it's automatically a ten out of ten. Awesome. That's all I have, Mike. So, uh, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and or the show? You can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter or uh, the show at FortressComicNews.com. Uh, if you're listening to us on a podcatcher, remember everybody to give us a five-star review. And if you're watching us on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Fortress Comics, to like, subscribe, share, and comment down below. And uh, if you want to go the extra mile, be the extra super-duper listener, you can go to Patreon.com slash Fortress of Comic News. Thanks all so much for listening, and we will see you next week with another awesome episode. Bye. Bye.